Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. Today, God has brought you here for a purpose. God has brought you here to be reminded of truth through song. God has brought you here to be confronted with the truth of Scripture. And all of that um, is loaded with the loving kindness of God. God did not bring you here this morning to beat you over the head and to make you feel worthless and nothing and feel like a slacker Christian. God brought you here this morning to remind you one more time in one more way that what he has for you is grace. Amen? Amen. For God does not deal with us as we deserve, but he has been overwhelmingly kind to us. And the highest and most beautiful expression of the kindness of God is the cross of Jesus Christ. And we have it here with us in every time that we gather so that we never ever forget that everything we owed God for the guilt of our sins has been paid in full. And the cross reminds us that we are not people who are just worthless disappointments. We are fully loved. God gave his son and poured out the innocent life of Jesus for the guilty people, for you and for me. The cross is about the love of God. The cross is about the finished work of Christ because God took this Roman method of execution and he used it as an altar of sacrifice and Jesus became the sacrificial lamb sacrificed for the guilt of sin, your sin and mine. And when the perfect sinless blood of Christ, the only righteous one who could do this act, when his blood was spilled and it poured over this crude altar. It was pleasing to God. And God the just was satisfied. You see, the gospel isn't that God said, oh, you've sinned, oh, never mind, forget about that. The gospel isn't that, so- that God's soft on sin or said, oh, don't worry about those things I said a long time ago. No, the gospel is that God satisfied his requirements on the cross. God didn't blow it off. He paid for it with the life of his son. It's one more picture of grace. So as you come in here today, remember that God loves you. Remember that it is finished. And you, need, you and I need to stop working to gain God's approval and God's affection because we have it in full and the cross reminds us of all of that. And we need to remember that when Jesus died, and three days later God flexed his arm of might and raised him from the dead, When that was accomplished, it wasn't just about your ticket to heaven. It wasn't just about escaping hell. It was about the privilege and opportunity to know God in all of his fullness and to have the fullness of God in your life, in the person of Jesus, in the indwelling Holy Spirit who comes to live in us, sealing us up for eternity when we believe in Christ. What what I mean by that is, When Jesus died and accomplished all that he accomplished in this amazing gesture of love by God, when all of that happened, it wasn't just for heaven. It was so that you and I could live full right now today. Amen? So you and I could live full and free right now today. 
Jesus is not dead. And in Christ, we're not dead. And he has given us life that we are meant to live. I bump into a lot of people in casual conversations, and I have a lot of coffees and lunches with you guys, and we spend time talking. And one of the themes that comes over and over and over again is this word, overwhelmed, where we are feeling and grasping for the end of the rope because we feel like we're there. And I'm just like you, I struggle in this way as well, where I sometimes lay my head on the pillow and I go, did all that happen in just one day? I lay my head on the pillow and I think I survived it more than I conquered it. I'm with you in that struggle. And the Lord put on my heart that we should spend a little bit of time talking about what it is to be overwhelmed in light of what God has done for us on the cross. Because living overwhelmed sometimes means that you and I are missing out on the freedom that Jesus died for. It means that you and I are missing out on some of the life that is ours. We've been walking verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to take a couple of weeks off from that, take a little break, and look at this discussion because God absolutely cares about your days on earth and how you live them and the quality of your own soul and your relationships and how you spend each day. And he brought you here this morning to remind you he loves you, he's for you, he's with you, and he is inviting you to freedom and life, not to just survive the earth overwhelmed. So let's dig in today and let's talk about what it means to be overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, and, and by the way, we'll, we'll get into worry and fear in the next couple of weeks, but today we're just going to zero in on what it is to be overwhelmed. To be overwhelmed is a feeling. Overwhelmed really is a feeling. That's, that's, that's something people express. Well, I'm feeling overwhelmed. It, 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 it's, it's a feeling of always running behind. Can I get a witness? It's a feeling of always apologizing and letting people down. If you want to know if you're, if you're in a mode of being overwhelmed, you're constantly having to apologize for something that you couldn't get to or being late or not following through or not remembering or whatever and, and just feeling like you can't get everything done. And letting people down is one of the worst parts of being overwhelmed. You think there's not enough of me to go around. You think there's, there's I, I really want to do these things and, and I just can't get to it all. There's so much going on and you live in this perpetual state of like, I'm a kind of a disappointment to people, and I don't mean to be. Overwhelmed is a feeling of having more opportunities and tasks than time. Hello? More opportunities and tasks than there is time in the day, time in the week. Overwhelmed is a feeling of missing the joy and satisfaction of life with Jesus there are moments when we are close to miserable instead of being close to joy and satisfaction. There are days when we're kind of going, is this the abundant life Christ died for? Is this the resurrected life that I'm living in boldness and in victory and in fullness of joy? Or am I squeaking in to the end of my day and oh my goodness, let it be said of us that we do not squeak into the end of our lives having survived these days. Super busy overextended, miserable, 
because we're overwhelmed. Overwhelmed is a feeling in all of these ways. And for some reason, uh, a, a lot of us are overwhelmed because we're, we're involved in chasing um, things. And, and I want to think about that for a moment. Some of us are chasing things that no one ever told us to chase. And I don't know where that needs to land this morning, but somewhere in this room right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, that's you. Part of being overextended and overwhelmed is you are chasing things that no one ever told you to chase. Some of us are living like this world is all there is. You and I are eternal people. We will live forever. And I will remind you this morning that everybody lives forever. It's just a question of the address. This world is not all there is. So don't feel compelled to do everything and get everything and experience everything. We are simply passing through. The Bible says we are aliens and strangers. We're foreigners. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are here for just a few days. And in the scope of eternity, our days are like just a wisp of air, a vapor, a mist. And some of us are overwhelmed because we're living like we are not people of eternity. We're living like I got to do it all and get it all and achieve it all. And I got to make my name bigger and I got to make, make more money and a bigger house and more things and all that. So some of us are living, not all of us, but some of us are living like this world. All these days, all these years are all we get. But you were made for eternity. And if you are a believer in Jesus, and if you've believed in what God has done on your behalf through the cross, and if you've turned away from following yourself and following after sin, and if you've said, I want to follow Jesus and I want to be a Christian, when you do that by faith, when you believe, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance when God wraps it all up. You have an inheritance coming. And however many decades God gives you here, there will be millennia in eternity with Jesus. You are simply passing through. So do not love the stuff of earth too much. Do not put too much value and emphasis on these time, these, this time on earth. Do not accumulate the things of earth that will rust and, and be destroyed and then things could be taken from you because all of those will go away. You and I are the people of Jesus headed to be with Jesus. And by the way, if we need a reminder this morning, the prize of heaven is not streets of gold and rest and leisure activities and 24-7 golf in 68 degree weather the prize of heaven is the son himself the prize of heaven is Jesus for we will be with him and we will see him as he is and heaven will have no need of a son because the lamb is the light Some of us are overwhelmed because we are living like this is all there is. And while we're at this moment, can we just talk about what a tragedy that is to give witness to the world that everyone else should live like this is all there is? 
Yes, delight yourself in the things that God has made. Yes, enjoy the creation that God has made. Yes, delight yourself in the relationships that God has given you. Make the most of those opportunities. Yes, go and do and travel and enjoy and give glory to God and all of those things. But make certain that you are not chasing the stuff of earth that's just going to go away. You can't take it with you. Some of us choose full calendars over full hearts. Overwhelmedness has an opposite, and that's a soul at rest and at peace that is full and satisfied. A soul that's overwhelmed is one that's like, I, I don't have enough. I, I, I got to do more. Like, I'm not doing enough. I got to be in more places. I wish there were five of me. I've got to be there. I got to be there. And I'm disappointing people. And, and I can't keep up with all. Oh, I don't want to say no to that. I don't want to say no to that. And I don't say no to that. Those are all really good things. But some of us have, have really mistaken that we need to try to do all of the good things when I believe God has called us to be a discerning people. And if we are going to walk in the Spirit, we need to learn how to say no to good things. Because not every good thing is something you need to give yourself to. Some of us have chosen full calendars over full hearts. I'm working on a little project right now on, um, on some of my spare time that's encouraging parents about making the most of bedtime with their kids when they're young. I remember my kids growing up and treasuring those times of getting them all cleaned up and getting their teeth brushed and reading them a story and laughing at all the silly things and doing all the voices in the books and snuggling in the pillows and making sure that they've got their stuffed animals and getting the nightlight just set and checking in the closet and checking under the bed and getting ready to tuck them in, giving them one last little hug and a long lingering embrace and them looking me in the eye and me looking them in the eye and say, I love you. I so love you. I'm so proud of you. I'd say to my sons, Good night, Prince Josh. Good night, Prince Jacob. You're amazing. And I love you just as you are. But there came a day when my kids grew up and they were never cruel. They were never unkind. They were never trying to hurt me or wound me. But there came a moment when it was like, Dad, I don't think we need to do bedtime stuff anymore. Like, I think the songs, we can be done with those. And like, how about instead of hugs, how about if we just wave goodnight to each other, you know, that kind of thing. And the snuggles went away and older and all those kind of things. And those days change. And I would say to you, parents, while your kids are still in your home, do not choose full calendars over full hearts. Because not only are you going to miss the bedtime moments that are sweet and beautiful and tender, but you also are going to miss the moments to pour into those young people of your responsibility that God has put in your life. Because while they're there in your home, when you say to them, good night, prince, good night, princess, and you love on them and encourage them and affirm them, you are not just giving them a little moment before they close their eyes. You are building into them a confidence and an understanding that you are made in the image of God enough just as you are. And if you 
fill your calendar, you will do drive-by parenting and hope some of it sticks. More eye-to-eye hangouts, more family moments, fuller hearts, less full calendars. Some of us are chasing things that have led us to be overwhelmed, and we are the ones who overwhelmed ourselves. As a shepherd in the kingdom of God, it would be unkind of me to bring you into a moment of teaching around being overwhelmed and simply to try to make you feel better about being miserable. It would be unkind of me as a shepherd to look at you and say, you're overextended and, and you're not really fully satisfied in the depth of your soul and all you feel overwhelmed a whole lot. Well, let me see if I can give you comfort in that. That's not the idea this morning. The idea this morning is to help you and to help me because I live in this as well. To help each of us to figure out how we are to spend our days so that we don't just survive them, but we thrive in them. One of these days, your days are going to be done and my days are going to be done. God knows all the days written for our lives are in his book already. God already knows. And our days are going to be done and we'll stand before him someday. And we'll give an account. And through a parable in the scripture in Matthew 25, there's a phrase that Jesus uses about those who are kind of greeted in the presence of the Father at the end of their life, and it's this phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. And we want to hear that, right? Hello? We want to hear that. We want to hear that. Good use of your decades. Way to go being a steward of the time I gave you. I gave you so many weekends. I gave you so many summers. I gave you so many spring breaks. I gave you so many sunrises. I gave you so many decades. Way to go using them. Where God has nudged me this week is is that for a lot of us, the help we need in being overwhelmed is just a a realignment of how we're supposed to spend our days so that we can hear the Father say, way to go. Well done. This is a life well spent. So I want to walk us through a few things this morning that are connected to our purposes in God. I want to see the scriptures. I want to be reminded today of how you and I are supposed to spend the moments he gives us. So let's look at six purposes together. Number one, our biggest purpose is to love God more than you love anyone or anything else. That's your purpose. Love God more than you love anyone or anything else. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 30, and you can hang out there because we're going to hang out in this passage for a couple of minutes. But in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus is having a conversation with some weasels, some religious leaders who are trying to trick him and trap him up, and they're trying to get him to say something that they can twist and, and, and misinterpret and get him in trouble. But, but Jesus is, is not playing their game, and he's just calling it like it is, and he gives this beautiful answer. They're basically saying, hey, which is the most important commandment? The, the weasels are asking, which is the most important thing? What are we supposed to be all about? 
Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And Jesus said this. The most important one, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Here's verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You hear the word all in there? And with all your strength. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's your life. All of it. Love God more than you love anyone else. Love God more than you love anything else. This is the grand purpose for why you are here. And I would add what a lot of church fathers have added over the centuries. I would add in the idea that it's not just to love God, but to make sure we understand that means to enjoy God. Not just work for God, but to enjoy God. The purpose of your life is to know know and love and follow. Enjoy God more than you love and enjoy anyone else, more than you love or enjoy any other thing. This is the biblical purpose of your life. Can we agree that that's what the Bible says this morning? Hello? This is the deal. This is the greatest commandment out out of the mouth of Jesus. This is it. And Jesus is going to go on and say the second purpose is just like it. Number two, our purpose is to love others as much as we love ourselves. To love others as much as we love ourselves. And I don't know about you, maybe you guys are further along than I am, but I love myself a whole lot. Anybody else? Great, you love me too? Okay, good, I was just checking. We love ourselves. There is so much of me in me. There is so much self-serving. I'm always thinking about how this affects me. I'm thinking about how this will reflect on me. I'm always thinking about, do they like me? Do they, do they want to be with me? Or, I'm always thinking about me. I have a very me-focused thing, and so do you. <laughs> we are all people who are consumed with self in a lot of ways and it's just part of our wiring that's been corrupted by sin and and it's just caused us to be very self-centered and some of the unraveling and working of sanctification as Jesus grows us and matures us as Christians is we become less and less about self and we become more about him and more about others. Jesus, as we love him and follow him, And as he's first in our lives, we become less and less first in our lives. And others rise in their importance. So Jesus says here in verse 31, same passage we're in right here. He just answered, what's the first commandment? And and then he says, and the second one, verse 31, the second one is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. These are our purposes. You want to know how to spend your days? Love God more than you love anyone or anything else and love others more than you love yourself. That will be a life well spent. These are the purposes that we should be living for. So when you wake up in the morning, before you check your calendar, before you ask Alexa what your agenda is for the day, before you figure out where you've got to go and what class you have and what assignment is due and what thing you forgot to read the night before and what meeting you have, all of those things, make sure that you lock in to the grand purpose of your life out of the mouth of Jesus. Love God today more than you love anyone else today. Love and enjoy God today more than you love any other thing today. 
And every person you encounter today, love them as much as you love yourself. Every person you meet, stranger, friend, frenemy, love them as much as you love yourself. When these become the clear agendas for our day, when they become the way we live our lives, they lead us to Godward priorities. And we are less overwhelmed by the stuff of earth. Because before we start worrying about pleasing a parent, or pleasing a child, or pleasing a teacher, or pleasing a boss, we wake up with the intent to please the Father. So love God more than you love anyone or anything else. Love others as much as you love yourself. A third purpose in Scripture is that we would make disciples, lead others to know, love, and follow Jesus. I mentioned earlier that everybody lives forever. Some will live in eternity in, in glorious life and light with God forever. And some will live eternally apart from God in conscious judgment forever. Jesus, before he ascended to the Father, gave us an assignment. He gave us a mission. He gave us a purpose for how we spend our days. Make disciples. Go and make disciples. Because what people believe about Jesus before they die determines where they go after they die. And the people around you have good times with them. Be a good friend to them. But the most loving thing you can do for the people on your team, the people at your school, the people in your office, the people in your family, the most loving thing you can do is help them to be right with God. Because their life is a mist and a vapor as well. And eternity is a lot longer than the years or decades they'll hear on, have on earth. So you're here this morning, you're part of the family of God, you're a believer in Jesus, you are following the way. Who are you bringing with you into heaven? Jesus gave us this assignment. Let's look at it clearly, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth I'm giving to you. has been given to me, and I'm challenging you to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, or I'm with you to the end. Explicit, out of the mouth of Jesus, a purpose for our lives is to make disciples. Help people around you know Jesus. Number four, another purpose for our lives and how we spend our days is to build up your family at church. To build up your family at church. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 11. 
So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to. So he gave leaders in the church for a purpose, to equip his people, to equip God's people for works of service. So that, here's the goal, leaders have been put in place to equip God's people for the accomplishment of the purpose. And here's the purpose, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So one of the goals in the kingdom of God, one of the goals for your day and for my day is that you and I would be part of building up our family of faith at church. And, and what does that mean? That, that you and I are serving each other and that we are building each other up so that we're cheering each other on toward maturity. We're helping each other live more free. We're helping each other experience more peace. We're helping each other have hope in Jesus. We're helping each other learn to understand that the commands of God are the kindnesses of God. We're helping each other. We're building up the family. When we talk about building up the family at church, we are not a talk about, we're not talking about fortifying an organization. We're talking about people. Because the church isn't the building. The church isn't an organization. The church is the individual lives that are a part of it. You and I are the community of faith. The Bible says that you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. And part of your purpose in this life is to say, all right, that's my brother. That's my sister. Part of it is, is that I am responsible for helping to build them up. And they're responsible for helping to build me up. And so I'm going to give my time to that. I'm going to give my days to that. And I'm not just talking about serving as a hope builder. I'm talking about you engaging people and loving each other and serving each other. Oh, you got a need? Let me see if I can meet it. Oh, you're going through something rough right now? I'm going to lift you up. Your faith is weak and struggling right now. I want to buoy your faith right now, and I want to really pour into you some hope in Jesus right now. I want to be there with you. This is a purpose of our lives. Church is not a Sunday thing. Church is not a weekend thing. Church is not an affiliation or a name on a membership list. Church is being a part of the family of God. And hello, we need family. Amen? We need each other. At People of Hope, we're a young church. We're just months old. And we're organizing around these things called community groups. And we don't just do it because we need a whole lot more Bible study. We all need to be feeding ourselves more Bible study than we're getting in other places. But we need to do that at community group. But we also need a chance to go, what's going on in your world? What's happening in your world? And find out how I can build you up. This is the purpose of your life. And I believe each and every one of us who believe in Jesus, we will find ourselves in heaven one day and God will look at you and say, I put you in the church, not even so much for you, but for your brothers and sisters who were there with you. How did you spend your days? It's hard out there. It's challenging out there. 
The world is tempting and inviting. The world is calling us to chase after things that God doesn't want us to chase after. The world is calling us to put all of our hope in the stuff of earth that's going to be destroyed and go away. The world is calling us to compromise and to have no sense of truth and to have no sense of allegiance and loyalty and obedience to the ways and word of God. The world is beating us up and challenging us and inviting us to find our worth by comparing ourselves to others. It is hard out there. Man, we need each other in here. And one of the purposes of your life is to build up your brothers and sisters. Number five, build up your family at home. Build up your family at home. The Bible's got lots of passages about marriage, and we've been talking about that last couple of weeks in the Sermon on the Mount series, and there's teaching about how we are to... To, to tell the ways of God and the things of God and the works of God from one generation to another and invest and invest and invest. There's lots of places we can look at, but I just found one that I wanted to spend a couple of seconds with. It's in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Ephesians 6, 4, and it says this. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's speaking specifically to fathers because dads, you have a, a leadership responsibility in your home. You're not better than the wife. You're not more important than the wife. You are both in the car going together, but God's tapped you on the shoulder and said, I want you to drive. God has given you an assignment to make sure that things get covered in your home, to make sure that your home is cared for. So dads, fathers, You have a responsibility. Well, I didn't want the responsibility. It's yours. You have a responsibility to bring your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And we can add in moms into this. We can add in wives into this. Husbands and wives, moms and dads coming together. Single moms, single dads, come together with intent. What is your plan for training up your kids in the Lord? Have you abdicated your responsibility and put it in the hands of the church to teach your kids about Jesus? One of the purposes of your life, one of the places you're supposed to be investing some of this precious time is instructing your family at home. As their ages change, so that instruction and training changes. I mentioned some of those bedtime moments earlier and when our kids were little, we would read them things from the Bible and we would tell them stories about God and we would lead them to pray prayers. And when they were very young, we would kind of ask them what they wanted to pray about and we would pray for them. And then as they got a little bit older, we'd ask them to pray a little bit and all those things. And, and then later on, it became in their teenage years, they didn't really want to sit down and have all kinds of you know heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul conversations about them and Jesus as much. And so a lot of times it was like, hey, I found this really cool devotional book book that's looked like it's written like just for where you are. So hey, I just wanted to get this for you and give this to you and encourage you to be reading the Bible, spending time with God, all those kind of things. Checking in with their student pastor, checking in with their, their other leaders, checking in with their teachers, encouraging them, helping them, investing in them, praying for them, showing them par- parts of the scripture. Take responsibility and invest in your kids at home. Husbands, invest in your wives. Pray for them. Wives, pray for your husbands. Encourage them, cheer them on. 
Ask them what the Lord's doing in their life. Ask them how you can be praying for them. Make church a priority. Don't make church the, the subject of does it feel too cold outside or does anybody feel awake enough to go to church? But make church a priority, moms and dads. Train your kids. Instruct them to be in the room where it happens. To be here on a Sunday with the people of God. To, to be a part of the move of the Spirit of God. So that we can then encourage each other. Because church isn't about what we get for ourselves. It's also about what we give to each other. So build up your family at home. And then last, another fifth overarching purpose that I see in the scriptures is that we would live in a way that points people to the goodness and greatness of God. That we would live in such a way, by the way we choose to do things, the way we choose not to do things, the way we talk, the way we live, act, and think, that we would point people to the goodness and greatness of God by our very lives. Matthew 5, 16 says this, Therefore let your light so shine in front of other people in such a way that they may see your good deeds, your good acts, your good works, and give glory to God. That because of the way you act, that because of the things you do, that God would get glory. One of the chief purposes of your life and my life is to point people that God really is great, that God really is good, and he's worth giving your life to. Glorify God with your life. God is already infinitely glorious, so when we glorify him, we don't add to his glory, but we point to the quality of his greatness. We point to the quality of his goodness, which, by the way, is bottomless. It is a purpose of your life and of my life that we would point people to God. So look at those five, those six things there on that list. Love God more than you love anyone or anything else. Love others as much as you love yourself. Make disciples, leading other people to know, love, and follow Jesus. Build up your family at church. Build up your family at home. Live in a way that points people to the goodness and greatness of God. If you make those the big priorities of your life, these eternal biblical things, you will feel less overwhelmed by the temporary things. Because when you're walking in the ways of God, the joy of God is deeper and the peace of God is deeper. These biblical purposes must become our focal point, our, our destination. This is how I want to spend my days, accomplishing these six purposes and more. I really want to honor God and please God with the way I use my days. I want to love him and love others, and I want to serve and build up, and I want to invest and train, and I want to point. Life's awesome, but he's better. Relationships are really cool, but he's better. AirPod Pros are amazing and I think magical. But he's better. Having a big old house with a big old backyard is great. And there's nothing wrong with that. But he's better. Hello? He's better. 
Why in the world does this matter? These six purposes. They matter because God has provided a life of joy and freedom and abundance for us in the finished work on the cross. These things matter because you and I give witness to everybody else watching our lives about what truly matters in this world. This matters because every parent in the room, you are casting vision for your kids about what's really important in life. You are casting vision for your kids about what's really important in life. You're training them to live overwhelmed. Or you're training them to live in the joy and freedom of walking in the purposes of God. And it matters because of stewardship, how we use these days. We are going to stand before the Lord. And we are going to give account for how we used our decades and summers and springs and sunrises and sunsets. And God has expectations for how you and I live and what we give ourselves to. So chase after these purposes and seek first the kingdom of God. And expect the joy of heaven, even here on earth, until your days are done. I kind of gave up going to circuses a few years ago, partly because uh, I, I went to a circus as a kid growing up, you know, tent and some animals and you know, maybe a trapeze artist or another thing. But then I went to a Cirque du Soleil. Anybody been to a Cirque du Soleil before? A Cirque du Soleil is like next level circus, next level. I don't, it's just hard to describe what it is, the creativity and the innovation and the amazing stuff like this. But we don't go to a lot of circuses in general. But one of the things that, that used to be shown at circuses all over our country and all over the world um, back in the day was little feats of amazement that people would do. And, and, and here's one of them. I, I want you to see this. Uh, this is, is an image of, of somebody who is spinning some plates. And people used to go to events so they, oh, somebody's going to spin. Oh, there's a plate spinner? I'm going to go see that. That's going to be amazing. And if you've ever seen a plate spinner before, they've got these little sticks and they've got these plates going and, and they're spinning them. That's what a plate spinner is. I'm sure you were already ahead of me on that. But they're spinning these plates and the deal is, is they get one going over here and they got to come over here on this side and get another one going and they got to get over here going and oh no, this one's starting to wobble and got to get over here uh, uh, over this. Does this not feel like what the, world over, what the word overwhelmed is? <laughs> I got this one going. I got this one going. Oh, I've been feeling so bad. I haven't been able to get this plate going. Oh, man, this plate over here is about to fall down and crash and crumble. And I put this up here this morning because I want to remind you that God has called you to purposes beyond just keeping all the plates spinning in your lives. Living in a state of being overwhelmed all the time is not a virtue. 
just pulling it off so that nothing crashes is not great. This person is working themselves like crazy for a few minutes once a day for a show. They can't sustain this all the time. And some of us in the room, we're really struggling because we're trying to live in this mode all the time. Ooh, that's a good thing. That's a good plate. I'm going to add that plate. I already got 17 plates going, but yeah, I'll just give a little less time over here to this plate and a little less time over to that plate. Oh man, I forgot about that plate. I got to keep that one spinning and get this one spinning. And this is the way people experience you when you're with them. Yeah, good to see you. Okay, yeah, okay, right, yeah. Okay, cool, yeah. How was your day? Good? Okay, great, great, awesome. See ya, have a good night, see ya, bye. Enjoy Netflix. Okay, I'm going over here, I'm going over here. Where are you going? What are you? Uh, this is what overwhelmed looks like and this is not what Jesus died for. This man only sustains this for a few minutes once a day. And you and I, some of us, we're often trying to sustain this, this mode all the time. We're treating all the plates as the same. There are some bigger plates. I gave you six of them. They're hefty. They're special. They're kind of like that china you got when you got married. Married people, you know what I'm talking about? The china you don't ever eat on that real expensive stuff that you, don't, you only have a few of them because you can't afford to buy any more of them. But then a lot of them are paper plates. They're things that don't count as much as these other things. And for some of us, we have begun to think that all the plates are the same. And this thing I'm giving time to over here isn't the same as the plate of of training and investing in my kids and loving on them and while well, I can. And, and this plate over here, it's, it's a good thing and, and it's a noble thing and it's kind of a cool thing and you're really passionate about that thing, but, but it's not as big as this thing over here, the person who works near your office, do they know Jesus? Identify what plates you're spinning and label some of them as big and some of them as small. That plate spinner that we were looking at up there is it's it's a feat of amazement, not simply because he can keep all those plates spinning, but because there's some risk involved, right? What happens if a if a plate stops spinning? crashes and breaks. Let's give ourselves to the big plates so they don't fall. And maybe we'll be less overwhelmed letting some of the less important plates crash and never regaining a place where we're trying to keep it spinning. See, some of us in the room, your response to today includes not trying to figure out how to do better at being overextended and overwhelmed. For some of us, our response is figuring out which plates do I need to stop spinning so that I can just be right in the place where I need to be.
giving my precious limited days to the things pleasing to God and the things that will last.